Good morning. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Oh, man, let's go. Um, good morning. My name is Rashad. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, just want to give a big shout out to all our friends from the table that are in here representing and bringing. Yes, got to give some love. Oh, we say shout outs, big ups, big ups to the table, big ups. Well, go on. All right. Um, a few of y'all, a few of y'all going to be with me this morning. I feel it. A few of you are going to be with me. Um, oh, he's risen indeed. This is um, my favorite day in church, and you could tell by the colors. Because um, this, is, this is the day where you're like, yes, this is why we do what we do. This is why we worship. This is why we show up. This is why we come to groups and live out this faith, because Jesus Christ is risen. Because he's risen, and this, and sometimes we can get caught up in the rest of the year and just and distance ourselves from this day. But this is the day that started a movement: the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Today is about resurrection. Martin Luther says this: Our Lord has written the promise of resurrection not in books alone, but in every leaf in springtime. Bostonians say, come on, springtime is coming, springtime is coming. I know you saw some stuff growing, and I know something inside of you said, oh, man, there's a little bit of hope inside of here. There's a little bit of hope inside here when I see something growing, when I look at the weather and I see that the sun is going to make an appearance. It gives me a little bit of hope that maybe there's something good on the horizon. Amen. One commentator says this, most biographies end at the grave, but for this life, the grave is just the beginning. Most of us have, a, have an idea of how things go. I know how this is going to end. I know where this is headed. And this story of Jesus, this gospel that we tell you about today, the end is not the end. The end is the beginning. And sometimes we can use our expectations of how we experience things in life and transport it onto God, right? And so when things are ending, like we're at a ball game and our favorite team is losing, you see people start to walk out in the fourth quarter, right? Because they know how this is going to end. They don't expect any reversal to happen. And they know it, if they don't walk out, it's going to be too hard, too much of a sting to experience the loss. Because to be human is to know what a dashed hope is. To be human knows what it means to experience dashed dreams. To be human, we know what it's like to experience an unfulfilled longing inside of our hearts. And so this is the story of the people of God. As we read in the scriptures, for thousands of years, there's been a longing for God to show up and to change the world. There's been a longing for God to do something in their lives and in their world. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus appears. Jesus enters earth, and the promise of God is being manifested right before their eyes. Jesus is endowed with the power of God, and he's healing, and he's feeding, and he's setting free, and he's saving, and he's crossing ethnic, cultural, economic, gender lines, and he's putting the world on notice and saying, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. He's literally fulfilling the promise that God has given the people right before their eyes, and those people who were on the outside, Jesus puts them front and center. 
and says, the kingdom is yours. You with me? Every once in a while, let me know that you're with me. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so in our story, we have the two Marys. You have a Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James. And Mary Magdalene was free from spiritual and emotional oppression. Mary, the mother of James, is being known and seen by God in Jesus. And their worlds are literally being changed by the ministry of Jesus. They, for the first time in a long time, have hope. They, they witness Jesus do all these great things. And they're like, the kingdom of God's in our midst. God is on the rise. The kingdom of God is coming. And then Jesus gets betrayed. Then Jesus gets sent to a trial. Then Jesus gets put to death. And then Jesus, they, they're witnessing all these hap, happen right before their eyes. And his body, witness his body get put into a tomb. They witness a large stone get rolled down into the tomb, sealing it and locking it. Talk about dashed hopes. All the other disciples ran away except for these handful of women. This all happened between Thursday and into Friday. Jesus is sealed in the grave, and now on Sunday morning, they wake up before the sunrise, and they're going to the tomb because Jesus is not only Lord, Jesus is their friend. They lost a friend. They lost someone that they loved. They lost someone who gave them significance, and they come to the tomb early in the morning to make peace with what they had hoped for in Jesus. And so all their hopes and their dreams and their longings that have been dashed are behind that stone represented in the body of Jesus. And what we know is they have, when they go to this tomb, that there's going to be guards there. The people who put Jesus on the cross, who beat his body, put a crown on him and put him on the cross are the same ones guarding his tomb. And so this makes it even more intense. Because seeing the stone close is like the dirt that gets put over the grave at the end of a funeral. And so imagine the finality of that moment and then to go and visit to make peace and the people who put him in that grave are right there guarding it. In the chapter 4 in Matthew 27, it says this, this is Pilate talking. He says, take a guard. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. I'm parking here a while because this is, this is important. This is important for us to understand this. One theologian says this. The other complicating factor about the stone in front of Jesus' tomb is that it was sealed with a Roman seal. The stone bore the authority of the empire. It marked the death of Christ as the legal and irreversible decision of the empire. The tomb was sealed. In their world, that meant finality. This was the hardest part of the mourning process. And so the power of darkness is literally hovering around the tomb. And they're being confronted by this power structure that's guarding Jesus' tomb that says, we have authority over this body. And Jesus 
is going to stay in this tomb. This is what, this is what they're declaring by putting the seal over this grave. I wonder if there's similar voices in your life that says that thing's over. I wonder if there's things that you hear in your life that says you'll never, you fill in the blank. Or there's a voice in your head that says this is, the, this is the end. You'll never experience this longing. You'll never experience this freedom. You're never going to experience joy. You're never going to experience God. And I love that the gospel writers tell the whole story, and then, but it never ends there. Because there's a but God, and I wish I had my organ, and I wish I had someone to testify with me today when I say but God, but, but God, but God, because it doesn't end there. It's horrible, it's bad, it's getting worse, but God, and something changes. You, you thought the game was over, but God, and he changes things. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yes, I'm bringing you down to bring you back up. All right. Bring it up. Paul says in Corinthians, he says this, death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, in other words, point number one, death is just the beginning. Death has been defeated. The one thing that you were worried about, what would happen to Jesus? What would happen if this happened? And it's the worst thing you could think of is what if he died? That's the worst thing that could happen. What if he died? And the gospel said that death is just the beginning, that the grave is not the final chapter of the book in which God is writing. So if you've come to the end of yourself, if you are in a place of life where you have nowhere to turn, where you're facing impossible circumstances, you might be just perfectly positioned for God to work in your life. I remember when I stepped into church over 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, and I did it as a favor to my mom. I said, and if you guys, some of you, None of you met my mom, but if you met my mom, you would, you would understand. <laughs> She's like, come on, Rashad, just come to church with me this one time. I said, okay. And I, and I walked through the doors, and I had plans of how my life would go afterwards. And I had plans on how my evening would happen after I walked out of that church. And in a moment, in the blink of an eye, my life was radically changed by encountering Jesus Christ. So if you come to the end of yourself, if, you, if you're running out of resources, you might be right in a place where, where God wants to show up in your life and radically transform your life. This is why we're here today. And so they enter the, a place of mourning. They're coming to the tomb, and it says in verse 2, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. What Rome meant to signify as power and dominance over Jesus, what felt like the end of all their hopes in the blink of an eye was rolled back. Listen to this. This is one commentator says this. The angel sat on the stone is also a dramatic statement of supernatural triumph. I want you to picture the hunter sitting over the hunted. I want you to imagine a wrestler pinning his opponent. I want you to imagine the athlete pointing at the scoreboard and saying, look, we won. The angel was just chilling on the stone like, what's good, evil? What's good, death? You've been defeated. We got you. We got you. Jesus is alive and resurrected. The, I mean, the angel is sitting on the stone. God is so awesome. Like, the angel is sitting on the stone and saying, we got this. The angel sitting on the stone is saying death is no longer in control. The angel sitting on the stone says it's not 
over. The first words of the angel to the Marys was this in verse 5, do not be afraid. If you get anything from today, hear this, do not be afraid. Sometimes God will put you in situations that are humanly impossible to overcome just so you can know and trust God in undeniable ways. While we prefer humanly possible situations where we can decide our future and control how things go, the resurrection requires us to put our future, our heart, and our well-being in the hands of Jesus. If God's hand is on your life, there is nothing that can stop his purposes from happening in your life. There's nothing that can separate you from his love because not even the grave could hold him down. And if the grave couldn't hold him down, what thing might you face that God says, I got this? What's that thing that you think, man, that, that can't be changed. That's irrevocable. That's unchangeable. And God says, I, I want to show you something. I want to show you an empty tomb. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. If you witness something die, if you witness something die, you see it buried, whether a person, a season, a dream, or a hope, you don't expect the place of your deepest pain to be the place of your greatest joy. We don't expect anything good or we don't expect the best to come out of something that seems like a disappointment, that seems like it's the worst thing that can happen. Here's what the resurrection wants you to do. Here's what Easter wants you to do. It wants you to change your expectations on what God can do. Change your your expectation of what God can do, especially when all hell breaks loose. See, our understanding of God limits We put limits on him based on experiencing disappointments in life. We experience disappointments in life. We experience losses. We experience things that are not going our way. And we go, man, we put limits and caps on what God can do. The angel says, come and see. See, the the angel didn't roll away the stone so they could see a dead body. The angel didn't roll away the stone to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away to show the Marys what God had already done. Come on, somebody, man. (laughs) The stone is being rolled away to show them, look what God's already done. You came to mourn. You thought it was over. God's already changed things. God's already at work. Jesus has already resurrected. The kingdom of God is already moving forward. I didn't need you to peek in there and see so you know you didn't come to see a funeral. You came to experience resurrection. I wish I had somebody that had a pulse right now. (laughs) I'm just playing. Um, I wonder if there's some things in your life that you perceive to be the worst things that can happen. I wonder if there's things in your life that you go, God can do nothing with this situation. I wonder if there's some things in your life that you think are dead and gone. And I wonder if it's a theology issue if you think that God is dead or that his power is limited. Easter Sunday says this, hope is alive. The angel says, he's not here. He is risen. He is alive. 
Do not fear. He is alive. All your hopes, your longings, your dreams for a better world are wrapped up in Jesus. And he has conquered death and is alive. In other words, the world is full of potential now. The world is full of potential. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, then despair would be a reasonable response. But since he's risen and he's alive and death has been conquered, your world is now full of possibilities. You will see him. The resurrected Jesus wants to meet with you. Sometimes the possibility of what you really want when it becomes real can scare you and excite you. Right? Sometimes you, you're like, I want him to resurrect. I hope that he's resurrected. Yeah, he's resurrected and he wants to meet you. It says the women were afraid and filled with joy. What a moment. They're coming to mourn, and their mourning gets flipped upside down. Verse 9, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. I want you to pay attention to this. They're on their way, and Jesus met them. And when he meets them, he says greetings. I know you're like, wow, I thought it would be more profound than that. He's, he says hello. But I want you to understand his intent here, that he has good intentions for them. He's not meeting them and saying, why didn't you guys stop it? He didn't meet them with any shame or condemnation, condemnation or guilt. When Jesus came to meet them and greeted them, it was an invitation. Because look what happens next. It says, they came to him. Jesus met them, then they came to him, and then they clasped his feet and worshiped. Isaiah 62 says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. In that moment, the Marys realized everything has changed in Jesus. Though maybe nothing has changed in their normal day-to-day, everything has changed in Jesus, and they worship. I want you to think about this. I know a lot of sports. Sorry if you're not a sports person. Um, your team's losing. And the best player, he's, he's in the back, or she's in the back, and they come back out. They come back out. It's a miracle. And they come into the game. Even though you're losing, what is your response? Oh, my gosh. It's going to happen. We're going to come back. There's something inside of you that begins to happen. We begin to worship. We don't call it that. <laughs> but that's what worship is. When you recognize the greatness and you ascribe to that greatness, the, 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 the things within your heart, because you recognize the moment, you recognize the person. And in this moment, they're like, I thought I knew God. Oh, now I know him. I thought I knew Jesus was the son of God. Oh, now I know he's the son of God. Because they're on the ground. They're clasping his feet. They see the nail holes in his feet. And they're like, you did this for me? You did this for me, and you conquered it, and you're here, and you want to meet me, and you know my name. Oh, I worship you. And they, they begin to worship Jesus right then and there. 
New Testament scholar Leon Morris says this, the cross is the victory, the resurrection is the triumph, the resurrection is the public display of victory, the triumph of the crucified one. Church, we worship a God who's alive. He's alive. Worship a God who can be touched. We worship a God who reigns. We worship a God who proclaims peace, good tidings, and salvation. Jesus is worship because Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over our hopes. He's Lord over our fears. His hand pierced hands and feet say victory. They say triumph. They say hope. Hope is alive. Hope wants to meet with you. Whether you're at the intersection of fear and despair, whether you're at the intersection of loneliness and confusion, hope wants to meet with you. Jesus wants to meet with you no matter what you've done, no matter if you feel worthy, if you feel it's too late, or if nothing good can happen, because today is about resurrection. I'll end with this. Robert Flatt says this. The resurrection gives my life meaning and direction and the opportunity to start over no matter what my circumstances. It doesn't end with the cross. This story does not end with the death. If you've experienced the end of your hope, the end of some things that are very personal to you, that is not the end. You might have come here saying, I've I'm just coming to go, I'm supposed to come to church on Easter. I believe that God wants to meet with you. It doesn't end with the cross. It doesn't end with hopelessness. It doesn't end stuck behind closed doors. It doesn't end crying at the tomb. It doesn't end running away overwhelmed in fear. Jesus says in verse 10, do not be afraid. This is just the beginning. Church, friends, guests, I want you to know that Jesus wants to meet with you as well. This is just the beginning. Amen.